change your mind, change your money, change your life. I am Coach Rob Lee Simmons, the host of this podcast, and let me be your tour guide to greatness. If I was doing any better, I would be you. Welcome to the Greatness Academy podcast. I have with me the Honorable Tasha Moore. She is the founder of We Unite, and she is also an author, and I am I am just joyous to have her because she was just like all right let's do it and i and i i'm really thankful for that how you doing today i am well thank you the honor is mine to even be invited so i appreciate the opportunity oh man so my guests know i love getting into the business so let's talk uh we unite tell me a little bit about the program and the business and then tell me what you guys do okay so i am a um sole individual business owner. So it's just me. Um, In that regard, as I say that out loud, I also say that the business is not entirely made up of me individually, because in the nature of the work, it is serving the community, serving youth and families. And so they're very much a part of the business as well. Um, And then people like you, people like community um, individuals that really believe in the purpose and the passion behind the business. And so it is literally We Unite. And that is how I came up with the name. Um, So We Unite was birthed um, by a desire to still have the autonomy behind what I wanted to do in regards to publishing my children's book. Um, And so in publishing the children's book, I initially decided that I would go the route of connecting with African-American publishing companies, period, um, because of the sensitivity, the vulnerability and the raw nature of what I wanted to talk about in the book. Um, And I feel like although other people can outside of the culture understand to a degree, um, unless you have in some capacity lived within the context of what, um, you know, society brings each of our individual cultures, then I don't feel like you have exactly what it takes. So um, I went to various different African-American publishing companies and uh, my manuscript was accepted by two different ones. Um, but as I learned more about the process, I learned that it came with giving up some of that autonomy and that control, that um, ability to individualize what you wanted your project to look like. Um, and so in addition to that, because of a children's book, um, for any children's book authors out there or aspiring children's book authors, one of the major key elements is the pictures that you create within that book. And so again, because of the topic of what the book is about, I wanted the pictures to be, um, to mirror that, the words. Mm. And so, um, that often also came with publishing with a company. They do everything from the manuscript, the editing, the images. And so um, I wasn't satisfied with that. And so I decided to start um, my own publishing company, which is part of what We Unite LLC does. Um, in addition to that, outside of the writing the children's book process, um, journaling is one of the medians that I oftentimes use and just um, being able to get ideas from my mind and my heart somewhere else um, to be able to um, 
meditate and therapeutically focus on things that I need to because oftentimes in our minds, especially um, just in the world we live in, things can be jumbled up and muddled in there. And then it's hard to actualize what your actual thoughts are. And so, right. absolutely, um, yeah, I use that as a process too. And so We Unite is not just necessarily for the publication piece, but it is um, forms of interviews, podcasts, journals, um, writings and things of that nature. So you'll see all of that on the site. So where did you find your passion? When did you realize, hey, writing and journaling is my thing? You know, I didn't actually. Um, I wouldn't say that writing and journaling is my thing. I would say that um, telling a story is my thing and being able to um, be intentional behind the beginning, middle and end of a journey and a process. And so I think that's what I would cling to the most. Um, the drive and the purpose behind writing the book and creating the business was that I just wanted to, one, tell the story of many of the youth and families that I have worked with, had the pleasure of servicing over the last 17 years um, to be able to give voice to a lot of the things that they experienced. Um, I wanted to be able to do my part in creating something that had longevity in regards to the topics of the the book. Um, And then I wanted to be intentional about being a collective. And that is what is We Unite as far as being able to keep in mind the old adage that oftentimes I feel like gets um, forgotten and that it takes a village like really literally is nothing that you can do by yourself I feel like um and so all of that I feel like it's more of my wheelhouse than the journaling and writing in specific so so what made you feel like um the community will always be a part of your business because that's a that's a big deal so saying that hey I'm building a business it's going to be a collective um I would imagine you have a reproach of Hey, it's going to take a community to build this. But what made you realize this is the way it needs to go? Mm-hmm. Um, one, because in starting the process of writing, um, as I said, that wasn't really my wheelhouse. And so I literally had to lean on people that I knew, um, people that referred me to somebody else, like being able to have um, individuals that see your passion, see your heart and want to pour into what you're doing, want to support that. And so that is what got me to this point today, um, in life and in starting my own business. Um, and I also feel like people have to buy into what you're selling, right? right? Um, cause you can sell all day long, but who are you selling to if you don't have an audience to actually do that? And so that is a big component of the success of my book or the success of the business is the fact that people believe in the message. They believe in the content. And most importantly, they want to do the steps towards healing. Um, And so as we get into the topic of the book, I think maybe that'll make a little bit more sense. (laughs) Yeah, I want to get there and I I want to. But yeah, I I got a couple of questions for you. Right. So. um. Listening to your passion, your passion is super nurturing. Um, How much do you think uh, being a mother 
um, and a sister plays a part in that nurturing part of your business? Ooh, uh, um, it plays a huge piece. Um, one in being a mother and wanting to work with kids and families because I came from a single parent home. Um, I'm a product of divorce um, and I'm a product of all that that comes with at times. Um, there are a lot of success stories for children and families, but there are more not successful stories in regards to what that um, what that comes with. And so um, about the age of middle school, I probably was in sixth or seventh grade um, up until that point. I grew up in a um, very Baptist home. Um, and so oftentimes what my after school looked like or any type of community things I did was involving church. Um, and it was involving your neighbors and involving the people that, you know, your family can trust or my mom could trust. I should say that in specific. Um, but by sixth or seventh grade, she realized that I needed to do some other things. And then that's how she um, she connected me to the Boys and Girls Club of Metro Richmond. And then that is what spearheaded um, me seeing the significance of the village because the counselors and the programming, the kids that I met there, um, served as a second home for me and oftentimes more of a home than what I had. Not to say that my mom wasn't a good mom, but she did the best that she could, um, which is how all of, you know, parents are. Sometimes you have a blueprint and you have a blueprint of positive things and you have a blueprint of negative things and you have to decide which way you're going to go. Um, and so I would not label my upbringing as negative, but I would label it as not nurturing, um, mm -hmm. not very loving, not very connecting. We did not have a very emotional connection. And I realized that that was something that was missing and uh, something that's missing from a lot of households and a lot of um, relationships with kids. And so all of that kind of spearheaded me wanting to work with other kids and work with families so that I could give back what I did not have and what was then given to me supplementally through other things. So see, now that's a good transition. So um, <laughs> no, no crying aloud. Tell me about it. Yeah. So <laughs> no crying aloud. I'm going to hold this up just so that audience members can see it. Um, no crying aloud. The extended, um, topic is, I'm sorry, the extended title is a boy's journey to understanding hidden emotions. Mm -hmm. So, um, I have worked in the capacity of, uh, community service, education, um, mental health for like the last, 17 years um really literally if I had to do something else I have no idea what what that would be in that regard I oftentimes want to do many other things but um it just doesn't come as natural right um but so in those capacities oftentimes my job was to figure out how to educate families um figure out how to help support children throughout their um oftentimes challenging times that was connected to trauma um, community violence, um, family violence, drug abuse, um, mental health types of things, lack of emotional capacity. And so I was oftentimes that bridge and trying to help them to figure out those things in a multitude of different um, avenues. And so No Crying Aloud is a boy's journey, really a boy's voice and an African-American boy's voice in specific. 
And many of what I worked with boys' voices in regards to the trauma that they experience and how that shows up in their life. A lot of people oftentimes ask me, well, obviously you have a girl. I'm a girl mom. Why didn't you write a book about a daughter, about a girl? Um, But to me, that our African-American males are such a, um, such a, such a culminating group of kids, men, young men and men that um, really need the help and support to get to a place of being seen, being heard, Mm. being understood um, and understanding all that comes with life that you oftentimes carry, you know, on your shoulders, um, carry in how you handle relationships, carry in how you are able to even process things down to kids going to school and being expected to learn so many different things. But oftentimes they come to school carrying so many things that that's not their hierarchy of needs. Being able to do math or English or history is not a hierarchy of needs when maybe that night you had no dinner you had no bath. You didn't have clean clothes to put on. You didn't even sleep in your own bed because you're sharing your bed with your siblings or your family members or not a bed at all because you're sleeping on the couch or on the floor. Right. Um, you may have also ended up going to bed with gunshots in the background or arguing in the next room. And so um, it oftentimes I saw, especially working in an educational field, um, was then characterized as a bad child. Um, a child that has a bunch of mental health issues, a bunch of illiteracy and academic issues. But from my experience and my um, schooling and all of the things that I have learned, oftentimes that looks like trauma. And trauma is not something that is talked about in the educational system as much. And it's also not something that's talked about in our community as much and that we all experience it. And whether you live in a impoverished neighborhood or you live in a um, thriving neighborhood, the world is full of trauma. And we just yes. oftentimes don't discuss it. We don't talk about it. And we don't recognize how that impacts us on a regular basis. So when a so, reader reads your book, uh, what should be a few key points and a major takeaway from it after reading? Oh, that's good. Um, <clears throat> key takeaways from the book would be one, I wanted to talk about mental health at an early age. I don't feel like that is done enough, especially within our particular um, culture, because we oftentimes hear that what stays in the house, what goes on in the house stays in the house. You don't talk about any of those things. When you think about going to therapy or a psychiatrist or any other mental health person, you think about being labeled as crazy um, or labeled as somebody that got to take medication, you know, to be able to function. Um, And our kids are experiencing that trauma, experiencing those labels and experiencing that um, verbiage at earlier and earlier ages. And they don't know what to do with that, I feel like. Um, And oftentimes in our educational system, our teachers and our educators are the ones that are having to do a lot of that nurturing work to try to reach the child and reach the family as a whole unit, Um, because we know that kids come from somewhere. And so regardless to what's being poured into the child in an academic setting, they still have to go home. They still have to go to other you know, people that are raising them. 
Um, And so I wanted to be able to give voice one to the kids that are experiencing those mental health challenges and that trauma um, and be able to have them read a book and see themselves. Um, as well as being able to hear words that relate to their actual daily experiences. Um, two, I wanted to be able to debunk that myth that um, boys aren't able to cry because crying is a natural emotion, sure. right? It's something that we all feel, um, that we all experience. It's not gender specific. Um, and so I wanted to be able to feature, that's one of the reasons to get full circle why I wrote the book about a boy. Um, because you oftentimes don't hear anybody telling a girl, be quiet, D- shut those tears up. I'll give you something to cry about. Go sit down, tough it, tough, be tough. You know, you the man of the house, you little man, you got to be this or that. You don't right, hear right, right. girls being taught that, um, or, you know, hearing those things. And so I wanted to be able to debunk that myth that emotions are not gender specific. And I oftentimes, I actually believe that crying is good for the soul. That's one of the things that I have in the book because it helps you to heal um, and it helps you to actually connect with the emotions that we all feel. Um, And then I wanted to be able to talk about mental health in an educational setting. So the main character here, Devin, um, it follows him throughout a school day to the point that he is experiencing um, his normal life and what could be considered a lot of traumatic different events before he gets on the school bus. Then he gets more when he's on the school bus, which is reality for a lot of our kids. They get bullied, you know, and so they come into school with that. And then they come into school with expectations of what they're supposed to be doing. And when, like I said, the hierarchy of needs is not there for them, they just want to talk about what happened last night or on the bus before they get into something else. And so um, being able to talk about how trauma plays a a part in our kids' lives, especially from an academic setting, I wanted to be able to talk about that, too, so that hopefully our school systems do a better job at recognizing how we need to incorporate mental health into our school systems so that we are um, nurturing the child and every child from a holistic standpoint and not just standardized ways, because every child is not standard, that's for sure. No, absolutely. And so where can our viewers and listeners find uh, your book? Where, How can we purchase that book? So it can be purchased on Amazon. If you type in No Crying Aloud, then it usually pops up. Um, it's the only book in the um, literature section online that's there. So that was good for me. Um, <laughs> and then you are able to go on my website. You can purchase there as you peruse all the other things that are connected to We Unite as well. So let me ask you this, right? So um, when it comes to journaling, um, the publications, um, and then the works that you do within the community, what does a job well done look like for you? Mm. You got me there. Let's see. <laughs> a job well done. Um, I would say a job well done looks like reaching at least one. Um, that's one of the things that I have to remind myself of every day, because, um, for those who are in helping fields, who are first responders, who are educators, who work with kids and families, you recognize that one is a thankless job and two, you don't get immediate reward. Um, and three, you might be working with a, a classroom of 25 
or a family unit of 10 and you might only get to that one. Um, and you just hope and you pray and you put the passion and the heart behind getting to that one, hoping that um, the message that you are sharing, the work that you're doing will impact them enough to one, change their lives and then give them um, the encouragement and the motivation to take that and change somebody else um, to do the work outside of what you're able to do in the environments in which you are in. Um, and so just being able to recognize that the job is well done when you go into it with the heart and the passion that you intend to, when you give it your all, when you treat people how you want to be treated, when you are vulnerable, when you tell the truth, um, when you listen, um, and when you know that you've done all of that, everything else is in God's hands. Yeah, that's amazing. I love how you did that. You were like, all right, I think you got me. And then you're like, no, not today. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> I love it. So, so what's next? What's next on the docket for you? Uh, any more publications? What's what's the next event? Tell me what's going on. What's next? What's happening? Next? Yes, yes, yes. So I um am long overdue with writing another book. Um, I intentionally wrote the book not to just feature Devin as the main character, but a lot of the um the antagonists in the book are highlighted um throughout that, and so that I can then tell their story as to why they're showing up with their level of trauma. Wow. Um, and so that is my goal, especially to be able to write a um book. Next, the next one being targeted for girls. Um, so we won't leave our girls out there. Um, and so I also want to, especially in this digitized age, be able to create um, read alouds online so that for those who are not just physically holding the book, you can actually go online and view some clips, be able to read the book and be able to utilize that in a lot of different capacities, especially um, for trainings, for workshops, for classroom purposes. Um, and then I also want to create some other things to go along with the book. I actually, when I wrote this one, wrote a manual in terms of adults being able to recognize trauma. And so I want to publicize that. Um, and then I also was recently just um, awarded the SWAM status, so small women and minority owned uh, business status. And that opens up, I feel like, thank you. I hope that that will open up a lot of doors and being able to connect to larger um, entities, because the goal of the three things that I mentioned is not just for the school systems, it's not just for therapy, it's for people as a whole. Right. And so I want to be able to Tap into markets that are outside of that, that oftentimes probably think like, this is not for me, but it actually is. So, yeah, I mean, this is this is amazing. Uh, I And I love to give like my listeners like all the free game. And I know they're just sitting there like me taking notes like, yep, yep. Um, like you just like went through my whole childhood. Yep. Check. And I'm going to read the book because I, she said I can cry. So I'm going to cry. Right? Uh, but the one thing, um, I know you probably briefly mentioned it, but, uh, I want, I want to kind of go back into the structure of, um, writing a children's book. Um, I know you mentioned like the illustrations being important are important, but, um, can you kind of outline, um, uh, what the full process uh, looks like for you? And then if someone was interested in writing a children's book, what would be some advice that you would give them? Okay, sure. Um, so part of what I described is my process of 
going the publication route through a publishing company and then deciding that I wanted to do it myself. And so that's the main thing that I was, well, I'll, I'll, I'll back up a bit. One, be able to, I would say personally, understand what you're writing and the why behind it. Um, because anybody can write a book, but is it going to be quality? What's the message that you're trying to, um, invoke and who are you trying to reach? I would do the research to make sure that it's a market that, um, is not super saturated because then you'll just have competition. Um, and you know, in the field of literature and children's book, you kind of already have competition because there are lots of children's books, but if you, are intentional behind, like I said, what's the why behind it, um, what's going to help you carve out your niche, then that'll lessen that competition. So definitely do your research and ask yourself first the why. Um, And there's lots of options of publishing books as well. You can be a adult author. You can be a children's author. You can write nonfiction. You can write fiction. You can just um, create your own um, podcast or your own um what do you call it um like your own website that just features some of your publications yeah, you, you know blog, you don't have you to, blog. Yeah, yeah your blog yeah your blog that's the word I was like, what is mm-hmm. that? yeah that one so you can blog you don't even have to actually write so know exactly what you're trying to do and the why um research your market And then determine if you want to write a children's book or an adult book. If you want to write a children's book, then that's a complete different path, especially because you'll have to get with illustrators. If you write, um, you know, chapter books, for instance, then you don't necessarily have to have pictures. So you have to decide. Um, And then you have to decide if you're willing to do all of the work behind the publication process, which you would have to do as um, your own individual publishing company, um, or if you want to go with an actual publishing company that does all of the things for you. There's pros and cons to that, as I shared, like you are with a publishing company, unless it really matches everything that you're looking for, then you are then giving up some of that autonomy of how you want your project to be individualized. Um, And so you have to make that choice. One of the things that I learned in doing that is sometimes that does close off um, the markets in which you're able to get into because, for instance, um, larger book um, companies like Barnes and Nobles, which is kind of phasing itself out, unfortunately, but um, yeah, Barnes and Nobles or bookstores will actually only put your books in if you publicize with well-known publishing companies as opposed to being in, um, you know, self-publisher. So you have to think about those things. And then if you are self-publishing, then again, you have to know that you're going to do all the steps. So the first step that I did was write the manuscript. Um, I actually shared the manuscript with um, people of authority within the topic that I wanted to talk about. So social workers, school counselors, parents, um, single moms, single dads, being able to share it with the first and you need to make sure you trust people too because you know some people can take your things they can take your idea they can make it something else so make sure you have trusted individuals that you're doing that with but i would personally suggest doing that because what you think is good may not be good to other people um, because again you're trying to sell to somebody so you want to be able to reach an audience and that what you're trying to um, communicate is actually being communicated and received by the reader. 
Um, and so I would do that step first, just so that you can tweak the manuscript in ways that are, is delivering the content that you really want to deliver. Um, and then from there, you take it to an editor to make sure it's actually grammatically correct um, in the ways that it should be published. Um, and then from there, I took the manuscript to an illustrator. Before I took it to the illustrator, I actually, and this might just be my um, personality of being super organized, and um, but I actually drew up, not physically drew, but created a spreadsheet of all right, these characters, I want them to look like this. I want them to have this skin tone. I want them to have this hair. I want their clothes to say a message. Um, I want them to be in this environment. Um, and so I took that as kind of just raw sketches and ideas of what I wanted to make sure that at least my vision was there first. And then when I got with the illustrator, I was like, these are the, at the do's, definitely do these. But then also use your creative artistic expression to fill in the gaps um, because you don't want to be so rigid that you lose the artistic creation behind the process, especially when you're doing a children's book. Um, and then from there, I just went back and forth with the illustrator to make sure it matched. And then I got with a designer, which was the same person that helped me to put the whole thing together to make sure that each page had the right amount of words on there to match with the illustrations, um, to kind of narrow it down, deciding what fonts, what size book, um, you know, hardback, softback. There's so many different things. Yes. And then you have to decide, you know, where you're going to actually publish. Um, I specifically use KDP and Amazon. It's user friendly. Um, they're making some changes now. So if you get into it now, then make sure you're reading, you know, the fine print in terms of what that comes with. But um, that was a streamlined process for me that helped me to be able to be in control of it and do it in the steps that I could. Um, and then from there, you just print the copies. I mean, there's stuff in between there, you know, making your website, um, if you're going to have one, creating your social media, because that's the age that we live in. Some businesses are able to thrive without it. It still needed visibility and the presence is there. Sure. Um, so creating some type of social media, um, even if you start there without going to the to the website piece of it, but getting your actual content out there is important outside of just, you know, your neighborhood, your friends, your church, the people in your immediate network, because you oftentimes think that those people will support you, but it doesn't happen. <laughs> it don't work that way. So right. <laughs> um, be get out there and market, figure out how to connect with um, groups, um, do some networking, do some things that is going to get you connected with people that are outside of your, um, you know, your box so that you're not just publicizing to who already knows you because um, the goal is to get with people who don't know you so that you can have a broader reach. Um, so, so I'll stop there. So, no, <laughs> so, so like. All like if I knew 80% of that before I got started, because I am the type of person that I, I like to ask, but a lot of times people don't have the answer, Sway. Um, so you know, <laughs> it's crazy because Sway had the answers, but uh, <laughs> but uh, you know, I, 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 I didn't say I struggled, I am very um thorough when it comes to doing my own research and then uh, finding a path. But if I would have had that information, like that is to the T, um, 
the way I would have done it. Uh, well, let's say that I'm already working on a second work um, and I'm doing it that way as opposed okay. to my first one where I'm like, all right, I'm going to write it. All right. Now I'm going to build a cover and then I was just all over the place. But that, <laughs> that particular structure is outstanding to a writer. Um, let me ask you this, right? So I always ask every person that comes on my show gets this one question. Um, okay. and it's a fun one, right? Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> we, we didn't get into a lot of money talk today, but, um, as you know, I am a, uh, life and finance coach. And mm-hmm. one of the biggest questions I like, cause I can find out a lot about people when I ask this question, but I'm not going <laughs> to analyze everything, <laughs> but it's just fun to ask. So what is the largest purchase you've ever made and how did it make you feel? Oh, um, the largest purchase I ever made was my first home. Um, and it made me feel. Hmm. It made me feel like I was doing my part to change generational um, curses. I was the first in my family to to own my own home. Um, I was the first in my family to do quite a bit of things to include being an author and starting my own business. Um, but I wanted that for myself. Um, so, you know, part of what I shared was just kind of my upbringing and part of that upbringing um, came with being really transient a lot, which I'm sure that you can um you know, empathize with and being in the military in times that you've had to move, you know, move around potentially. But um, it came with moving a lot. I moved probably before I went to college eight different times. Um, And so I didn't have the opportunity of being an adult and going back to my childhood home and still, you know, having my room or growing up with friends and neighbors that I knew my entire life. Um, And so that was something that I had to heal from and something that I wanted to change within my um, family that I wanted to create and being married and having children is having the stability of a home. Um, and so with those things came me understanding the significance of good credit, of saving money, of going to first time home buyer classes so that I didn't get sucked into the process of paying, you know, too much money. Um, finding the sites that helped you to understand the different uh, parts of the neighborhood, good school systems, like the taxes, all those things are important, you know. Right. Um, and so it helped me to d- start the financial stewardship that, again, my family didn't have. Um, and then being able to sew that into my own home so that I can get a return on my investment. That was one of the things that I knew that I wanted to do. Uh, that is, I mean, you just dropping gems. I love it. Uh, <laughs> everybody knows I win once again, cause I feel like this, I just, I know how to pick them. <laughs> yeah. You, yeah. There's a story behind every, yes. everything. Yeah. I love and, it. Yeah, that comes with that vulnerability, hopefully, and sharing. You know, it cannot be easy to do, but I feel like it's part of the therapeutic process of knowing that your story is, although there are going to be individualized parts of your story, oftentimes your story can be the same with people that you don't know. Um, you know, and the more we share, I feel like the more that we become, um, 
okay with being vulnerable and actually connecting as a human race, you know, so. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, just asking questions sometimes. You never know if you'll get the right, the the true answer. You never know what somebody will say. So and and I and I think I did. And um and I don't mind sharing, but um what you said really hit home and I felt like a a, a counseling session because uh, <laughs> when, when, when I was younger, um I moved a lot. Uh, mm. of course, uh even after I turned um I what 18, no, probably 19 or 20, um, I moved. Um, to Hawaii and then mm. I joined the military from there and I've been literally been moving my whole life and I think I finally figure out why it's really hard for me to connect with people because I know I'm going to move but mm. I never thought about that like I even like you was like hey I bought a house I settled down and like I bought a house and I moved and I still <laughs> own the house but I still moved I mean, and it's just wow. like yeah I gotta find that whatever it is and I don't know at my age, if uh, I can talk myself down from not moving at this point, but maybe I just got to talk that out. But I really appreciate yeah, you. Talk for it out. That I up. think you can. I think you can. Um, And even at the same time, you know, owning your own home is a is a financial investment, period. And so even though it may not be your permanent spot hopefully it'll help somebody else who might sure. be living in there to be able to rent it another family another individual that might be having a hard time and looking for their home to be in and so i am a firm believer that everything happens for a reason but i'm also a firm believer that we um we endure a lot we take on a lot you know in growing up as as children um and it's oftentimes not until you're an adult, until you start seeing those things manifest and you start asking the question why. Yeah, and if yeah. you can ask the question why, then um, that's the first step. And the second step, I think, is figuring out how to get to the answers. So hopefully you'll get to the answers so that you can reach that level of um of peace and permanency that comes with having your own home. Not that moving is not a bad thing if you're doing it on purpose. Right, like right, if you right, want right. to travel the world and you want to see different things, um, then by all means, like if I didn't have a kid, I probably would do that myself. Or at least if she was older, because she's only four. So I don't want to do that to her. But right. um yeah, hopefully you'll get to that, get to that point. For sure. Hey, hey, I first of all I want to thank you for coming on. On the show, we say uh, winners win and we win when you win. And we want to thank you for being a winner. I love that. Thank you. Thank you for helping me to win. Oh, thank you man. for being a winner, too. <laughs> hey, a, hey, all this smiling I do, I'm going to get in trouble after my wife watches this episode. Uh -oh, wife, all, that, I... all that cheesing you was doing. <laughs> I wasn't. Uh, I got to be on here like this. <laughs> wife is all is all love. It's all love. And you got a winner. Yes. Just remind her of that. You she knows. Oh, she knows. <laughs> <laughs> she knows. Not just a winner, a goat. <laughs> okay, I love yeah, it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, thank you. Thank you so much for joining Greatness Academy podcast. Um, really appreciate you coming on. I definitely want to invite you back, especially when your new piece comes out. Uh, and I really appreciate you sharing. Um, you know, I think I'm the free game king, but you just dropped so many gems. I gotta just take a back seat to to the things that you've done today. I really, really appreciate you. Thank you for coming on. Thank you so much. I appreciate you too. All right. And we're out. Boom.
Thank you for joining the podcast. And remember, change your mind, change your money, change your life. We out.